0: This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glynn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glynn, and this is episode 58 of the On The Banks Podcast. At this point, 58 episodes in, you know where to find every single episode of the On The Banks Podcast. You can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Just search On The Banks podcast. You can find them on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, you can find this episode, every episode, and so much great content by going to onthebanks.com. I'm very excited to be joined once again on the On the Banks podcast by the most knowledgeable man on the NJ basketball beat, Jerry Carino. As you'll hear in a little bit, Jerry and I discussed the thrilling come from behind win against Nebraska, the excitement that this season has brought so far, the tough seven game stretch that Rutgers is about to enter into. And what Rutgers has to do so that we as fans aren't sweating it out on Selection Sunday. Before we hear from Jerry, I just want to talk about that 75 72 win against Nebraska, giving the Scarlet Knights their 15th win and keeping them undefeated at the rack. You know, first and foremost, and I know it's been said already by many, but you got to give credit to Geo Baker. You know, not having a good game, and look, he'd be the first person to admit that. He stayed involved. He first hit a big three to get the rack on its feet to get them within three. Akwasi Aboa then tied it with a three of his own, then Geo knocking one down with one second left to win it 75-72. to I think the Nebraska game was really a big trap game for the Scarlet Knights. They came off a hard-fought loss to Iowa. They got in, I think, around 4 or 5 a.m. the next morning. They have Purdue on Tuesday to start what is a very tough stretch towards the end of the year. This Nebraska game had the making of a game that could be a Scarlet Knight letdown. But a game like that one that's down to the wire ncaa tournament teams they find a way to pull it out and that's exactly what rutgers did they got their 15th win they got their sixth big 10 win and most importantly they didn't add a bad loss to their tournament resume You know, while you obviously want to beat Nebraska by more than three, and I think uh, going into the game, the spread was, I think, Rutgers favored by 12 or 15. And while you want to, like I said, beat them by more than three, at the end of the day, a win is a win. Whether it's by three or by 30, they still count the same towards the record. And avoiding the bad loss, winning a trap game against a team that was hungry in Nebraska is a game that NCAA tournament teams win. Rutgers dug deep, they found a way to come through down the stretch, and they pulled out a big win to keep their march, towards March, moving along just fine. Time to talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. He's the dean of the NJ Basketball Beat and I'm sure has had such a great time covering high major New Jersey college basketball this season. I am so excited to be joined once again on the podcast by Jerry Carino. Jerry, thanks so much for coming on to talk some Rutgers basketball in what has been you know, quite an exciting season so far.
1: Hey, Lance, this is why you do the job. This is the renaissance season we've been waiting for for New Jersey College basketball. It has been 29 years since Rutgers and Seton Hall made the same NCAA tournament, and it's looking ahead that way again, and man, is it exciting.
0: So, Jerry, let's start with the game against Nebraska. I think the comeback win was huge because just winning, even if only by three— It didn't give Rutgers a bad loss on their resume. How big was that comeback in your mind and just coming out with a victory to stay undefeated at home and to get to 15 wins on the year?
1: So the most important thing is for Rutgers to beat these lousy teams at home because the way the net is set up, it punishes you for losing home games and it punishes you real bad for losing quadrant three and four home games. And that's what Nebraska would have been. So they could have had like a 20 or 30 spot drop in their net from this loss. So this was a game they had to win. The only other game on Rutgers' schedule that can crush their resume is Northwestern at home on February 9th. Northwestern, like Nebraska, is is not playing well. It's having a bad season. So the rest of the games Rutgers is playing are against good teams. So you're not going to take a huge hit. Uh, So you had to win a game like this. Rutgers, it wasn't pretty. But there are no style points in conference play. They did what they had to do to get a win, and it definitely keeps them on the train on the tracks for the NCAA tournament.
0: And Geo, of course, hit the game winner. You know, he struggled early on since returning from his injury, but he's still shown the ability to hit, obviously, the big shot as he did uh, against Nebraska. He had a big one against Minnesota as well. What has been your impression of his play so far, and do you think this shot could kind of help boost his confidence and get him back on track?
1: So I think, he, I think he probably came back too soon, Lance, from the injury. I don't think he, his hand was ready. Uh, he told me today it's been bothering him. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the calculus is in bringing him back, but uh, he hasn't shot the ball well. I mean, he was 6-for-29 he was from the field um, before hitting that 5-for-29. Oh, five five for he was 5-for-29 from the field over the last month, going back to Caldwell, where I believe he hurt his hand, no matter what anybody says. I think he hurt his hand in the Caldwell game. Uh, he was five for 29 and for the field and one for 16 from three until the last three minutes of this game. So, so I think it says a few things. One is Baker's; he's not there yet with his hands. Um, two is just even with that. Steve Peichel has an enormous amount of trust in him more than any other player. Notice Jacob Young not on the court at the end of the game. Paul McE. Not on the court at the end of the game. It was Geo Baker on the court, even though he only played 13 other minutes prior to those last three minutes. It was Geo Baker on the court, and not just on the court, with the ball in his hands, called upon to make the winning play. So that tells you a lot about Pyke's relationship with him, his importance to the foundation of this program. And the last thing is, it says a lot about Gio, that he could play badly, and he was bad tonight. There have been days, in, in there have been times during this cold streak where Baker has. Passed the ball really well, has defended really well, has done all the little things. He did not have a good game today. And he, he was first to, t- first to tell you that. But yet, when push came to shove, man, was he money in the last three minutes. And that's why there are no stats that tell you the value of Gio Baker to Rutgers
0: basketball. And I think what's so great about this team, as we've seen throughout the 15-5 and record, is that it really could be anyone who could come up big. You know, we've seen games. Ron Harper, even in a loss to Iowa, had 28 points. Jacob Young has really come on since the Caldwell game. Akwasi Aboa, it was today. He had 20 points against Nebraska. What does that say to you about the depth that this team has and the depth that really Steve Peichel has built to help Rutgers get to a point now where they're right in the NCAA tournament hunt?
1: Yeah, there's good balance here. You're right, and and you know, Puck will always mentions how he brings different guys out to him to the post game press conferences. That's true. Uh, it's true. Miles Johnson is probably the team's most consistent player. Uh, you know, he, he he they really can't afford a bad day for him. They really don't have they really don't have a backup for him. You know, Shaq Carter does do some fill in minutes and he holds ground, but they really they don't have really a backup center. So, but Miles Johnson has been the most consistent player. But yes, on other different games different guys have stepped up and so you have really like six or seven so it's a nine-man rotation right and carter is, is just kind of he's kind of just like a defensive hold the fort guy um you know paul okay he said very good moments he's not ringing up big numbers he's not on the court at the end of a lot of these games so you really have seven different guys who have been uh leading the team at different times and so uh yeah, it's a lot of balance, and it's it's hard to defend a team like that. Uh, but the flip side of that is, you know, when these games get really tight late in the season, especially in March, there's, it helps so much to have a go-to guy. And I, I still think Gio Baker is that guy for Rutgers, and that's what you saw at the end of this game today.
0: You know, back to Geo, I think losing him was similar, similar excuse me, to Seton Hall losing Miles Powell. You know, it forced Rutgers to grow, mature, and win without their leader, just as it did for Seton Hall. Do you think facing adversity like that and ultimately overcoming it the way that they did, has it benefited Rutgers knowing that they can win without their captain on the floor?
1: Yes, I think that it does help. As long as you can survive the stretch without him, and they did. They went 2-1, and one, which was good. That was a job well done. They went 2-1 and one without him. If you can survive the stretch without him... You definitely come out stronger on the other side. And I think you do see that. I think it did help Jacob Young to be able to get a longer run and play through some misses and, you know, get more comfortable hitting some shots. He looks a lot better offensively. I think it did help uh, Paul Mulcahy, giving him invaluable experience. So, sure. And it it helped everybody's confidence not having winning games without, you know, Geo out there directing traffic. There's, There's definitely something to be said for that.
0: You know, Nebraska, they almost pulled off a rare road win in Big Ten play this year. Why do you think home teams have really been so dominant this year, and why road teams, they go to some places, and they don't just lose, but at times, the road teams, and good road teams, a team like Maryland, a team like Purdue, they'll go, and they'll just look non-competitive.
1: So, I'll give you three reasons, and I've been asked this question a lot, I've thought about it quite a bit. One is, there's a lot of parity in the league, okay, so the top 12 teams, I mean, Michigan State, I still think is the best team, I know they've had some wacky results lately, but there's not that much difference, so home court does tilt the difference when the teams are close. Second, secondly, is uh, the home court environments in the Big Ten are tougher than probably any other league. So I mean, these are a lot of on-campus gyms that, that are packed, where the fans are just nuts, and so you don't get you know there's no there's not a lot of pro arenas like the Rock. You know, the Presidential Center is a beautiful place, and it gets loud for Seton Hall, but these pro arenas don't compare. To these on-campus arenas, they just don't. So you have the on-campus factor with the Big Ten across the league with these tough arenas. So that's two, three. I strongly believe that the officiating in the Big Ten tilts heavily toward the home team. Now, uh, I don't know if that. I don't. I'm not going to say that's by mandate. Uh, I think it's just the way it is in that league. And there's definitely a thing, definitely a thing uh, called a home whistle in college basketball. You can look up the numbers, the free throws, the fouls, the disparity is, is glaring throughout the sport. And I don't think that was really the case today. It was pretty even today. But uh, there are times when it's pretty obvious that a team is getting a home whistle. Uh, and it's just the way it is, man. That's just, that's just part of life on the road. I do think it's, it's a little bit more prevalent in the Big Ten than other leagues. Rutgers has seen that at times this year. I think, you know, they've seen it on the road in their road losses. And they saw it at home, you know, against Penn State. Penn State had like six or seven fouls called on them in the first couple of minutes. Of the game, the home game, at, you know, the game at the rack. So it's a thing, and uh, it is hard to win at, uh, on the road, which is why you have to protect your, your home court to keep up with the Joneses. And Rutgers, listen, they could make the NCAA tournament, Lance, without, without winning in a road game, okay? They have the one road win in Nebraska, which is not big not deal metrics-wise. They could make it without winning a road game. But in order to get a better seed and really kind of get to where you want to go, uh, once you get to the dance, which I realize would just be a great season no matter what, you got to win a road game here and there. And they're going to have a lot of them down the stretch.
0: Oh, well, that kind of brings me to my next question I was going to ask you. Look, they're looking to go 18-0 and at the rack, and if they do... That would get them right now at least to 19 wins without winning any other games on the road. And the rack has really been, I think, revived this season. We've seen it grow and grow in every year that Steve Peichel's been here. But now with, I think, four straight sellouts, multiple games going forward in the season are sold out. The student section sold out the rest of the year. It's really grown and really become what it is statistically as one of the best, if not the best, home court advantage, at least right now in college basketball. If they do go undefeated at home and they do finish 18-0, do you believe, and I guess you just answered this? Do you believe they can counter the struggles and the lack of road wins that they have?
1: They're going to get into the NCAA tournament if they go eighteen and zero at home. If they go eighteen and zero at home and lose all their road games, the rest of their road games, they're going, they're getting into the NCAA tournament. But it won't be with the seed. It'll be a tough seed. You know, it they, they won't be the kind of seed they could have because the selection committee looks at that. How do you perform away from home? That's an indicator of how you perform in the NCAA tournament, where the games are away from home. So I do think they'll get in if they win their road, get in the home games. They could run the table. Look, you're going to have some hairy moments. There's some good teams coming in here now. Uh, Maryland's coming in, Purdue's coming in. Um, you, you know, Michigan, which is struggling right now, but you have some pretty, you have some talent coming in here. So, but it, so it really is a two prong question. The goal for Rutgers is to make the NCAA tournament, right? And so that'll be a great season no matter what. They really don't have to win on the road to do that. I really don't think they do. But if you want to get a decent seed and have a real, real chance to advance once you're there, you got to show some ability to win on the road, or win away from home, which Rutgers really hasn't shown. So I do think that'll be a thing down the stretch. Can this team check off that final box, empty line, so to speak, on their resume, and not just for their resume, but I think to show that they can do it. You know, you have to win these. You have to you have to win these types of games to show you can do it. And so that's something to look for down the stretch. And I'm sure there'll be some close games. Can they execute in the last three minutes the way they executed against Nebraska? And that will determine whether Rutgers has, you know, a, a, a very good season or an all-time memorable one.
0: And of course, you know, if they do make the NCAA tournament, they're not going to play at the rack they do obviously have to win at neutral sites and you brought up uh, an interesting uh, point that a lot of talent is going to start coming now into the rack in terms of other teams that Rutgers is going to be playing a tough stretch coming up you have Michigan Ohio State Maryland Uh, they have to play Wisconsin again obviously Purdue on Thursday Uh, really the only game that um, seems not necessarily like a lock because we thought Nebraska was a lock and it came down to the wire but a game that is very winnable in terms of obviously Northwestern but the rest of them are obviously going to be very difficult it's probably the most difficult stretch of the schedule for Rutgers and what could really be a make or break stretch for their season and for their ncaa tournament hopes what needs to be accomplished in this you know six seven eight game stretch is it really that they just have to try to find a way to win those games at home and then find one or two where they can go on the road and and be one of those teams you know what should fan expectations be and what should fans look for in this six or seven game stretch
1: first of all people have to understand like this is the hard part of the schedule coming up ruckers is six and three in the big 10 uh, they have 11 games left. The back, the back half of their schedule is much harder than the front half, much harder. So with, they close six out of their last 10 are on the road, uh, and the teams they're playing, they're coming in are good for the most part. So what you'd like to see is, like I said, them winning one or two road games or games away from home. I would include Michigan at Madison Square Garden. In that win one or two of these games away from home, and I think they'll be favored against Michigan. I really do. In the Garden. Uh, win one or two of these games from away from home. You know, hold serve at home for the most part. They might not win a ball. I mean, Maryland can come in here and win. They've been bad on the road. But, they, can, you know, Purdue can come in here and win a game. I mean, Illinois can come in and win a game. Illinois matches up very well against Rutgers. They might be the best team in the league right now. So, you know, you might not run the table at home. But I think it's important for them to win so they can win away from the rack. But I think fans have to understand the schedule is getting a lot harder now. So you know, this is this is about uh, trying to just continue to play good defense and rebound, and you got to hit some shots. So they're going to have to play, I think, a little better down the stretch, Lance, to in order to continue on the pace they're on. But either way, through twenty games, fifteen and five, they've set themselves up very nicely for this difficult stretch. They've done what they had to do to this point, no question.
0: And of course, you know, we've been talking about it. Rutgers has its site on that NCAA tournament bid. And there are many scenarios obviously being discussed by Rutgers fans all over Twitter on message boards to secure that bid and hopefully not have to sweat it out on Selection Sunday. I want to ask you this. Do you have in your mind kind of a magic number in terms of wins you think Rutgers has to reach in order to secure a bid?
1: I don't know what they have to reach, but I think if they 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 win 11 conference games, they will get in uh 11 and 9 will get you won't be sweating on selection Sunday if they get to 11 and 9 that's before I'm talking about before the big 10 tournament that's 20 wins overall uh, that's a winning season in the league so there's no sweat there's no sweat. whatever happens after that in the league tournament there is no sweat if they get to 11 and 9 and 20 overall if they're 10 and 10 and with 19 wins overall you know, they're probably in, pretty, in, in very good shape or pretty solid shape. Might You know, maybe at the mercy of some other things around the country. When you're under 500 in the conference, 9 and 11, yeah, I realize they don't strictly look at conference schedules. I realize it's not technically part of what the committee looks at. But when you're under 500, you're putting yourself in a line of fire and really at the mercy of what else goes on around the country in terms of teams stealing bids and whatnot. So... I think 10 wins would be the comfort when you can start to get comfortable. 11 wins in the league would be a lock. And I'm, I, you know, I'm talking about before what goes on in the Big Ten tournament. So that that would be the target goals, I think, for this team and for the fan base to look for.
0: Joined alongside by college basketball writer Jerry Carino. Jerry, you know, looking back at the out-of-conference uh, play for Ruckers, obviously the win that held uh, the most amount of weight at the time was the Seton Hall win, but of course that happened with Miles Powell out for most of the game. Sandro mamuchel was out uh, for the entire game. Knowing that, but knowing also how good Seton Hall played without them um, in those couple games against Maryland and, and I think one or two others going forward, and now how good Seton Hall is, I think, being in the top ten, how much weight does that win back in December hold for Rutgers, even though Seton Hall's really arguably two best players are out?
1: Oh, it holds It holds a lot. It doesn't—Rutgers is not going to be penalized for winning that game with Seton Hall shorthanded. You know, they're going to get— the 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 net is going to give them credit for a 20-point home win, so I mean that's the way it works, and I think anybody in the committee looking at it is going to give them credit for that win. You know, so the way I think the committee assesses injuries is, they will I think they will they will take it into consideration for a team whose players are hurt, but I don't I don't know of any case of them holding it against another team that won against a team that had injuries. So I don't think it matters. I don't think it it, it factors at all into the way Rutgers win over Seaton Hall is assessed, nor should it. I thought Rutgers would win that game that day. Uh, you know, do they win by 20 with Miles Powell playing the whole game in his right mind? No, probably not. But I thought they'd win the game that day. I picked them to win. And no, there's no way they could tell it against them. That win, that win is gold for them. It's resume gold at a conference. It was the only good at a conference win they had. So... No, that that one holds up well, and and the the better Seton Hall does, the better it, it boosts Rutgers' metrics, and with their resume. So it's weird. It's you know it's awkward for Rutgers fans well, to root for Seton Hall, but but they should do that.
0: Yeah, and you know I was going to ask you that came to my next question because I've been thinking about it. And Rutgers fans I've seen have been going back and forth. You know, should they root for Seton Hall? Obviously, it's a rival. They want Seton Hall to lose, but it really works for both fan bases because the better Rutgers does, obviously, it looks better for Seton Hall. The better Seton Hall does, it looks better for Rutgers. How should Rutgers have fans?
1: I don't think it helps. I don't know how much it helps. How much Rutgers' performance helps Seton Hall? I mean, Rutgers is going to be a quadrant one or two long no matter what they do from here on out. So they're not going to be a bad loss for Seton Hall no matter what they do from here on out. But so I don't think I don't think it matters that much, as, you know. But for 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 Seton Hall, but for Rutgers, the more Seton Hall wins, the better. I mean, the better it looks. So I mean, they have Seton Hall's a top ten team. If they're if they keep Moving at this trajectory, that's going to be look great for them. So I think I think they do stand a lot to game by seeing Hallway.
0: If you could kind of pinpoint one or two things that you think Rutgers needs to do in order to take that next step and possibly secure that NCAA bid, what would those couple of things be?
1: Well, I think they're going to get it. I mean, I, I, you know, it would be I'd be very surprised if Rutgers going not make the NCAA tournament. I don't. I think they just got to keep doing what they're doing. You know, stay healthy, continue to play good defense, continue to rebound. They weren't great in those areas today, but for the most part, they've been really good there. Um, I don't think they need any, to really just do anything great. Just keep doing what you're doing. You know, they listen. Now they're gonna are they gonna run the table? No, they're gonna. Are they going to uh, close? You know, have, be six and three down that closing crazy closing stretch like they've been in the opening stretch? Probably not. But but they don't have to do that to get in the NCAA tournament. They just got to keep playing the way they're playing, and they'll 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 win enough to get in. So they really just have to break even, right? So for the rest of the way. So they're certainly capable of doing that playing like they are. So I don't think they have to do anything other than stay on course. Uh, and, you know, you avoid injuries, which you don't want to lose guys. Guys get hurt. Johnson, Miles Johnson being the number one most important guy because there's zero, zero replacement for him. And like I said, I think he's been their best, consistently best player. Um, but, no, they're, they're in good shape. I, they're, that, they're motoring right along. I mean, that's, that, that's, uh, that's well within their grasp. I don't think they have to do anything great to get there. Just stay on course.
0: And how worried are you about the free throw shooting?
1: I'm not really that worried about it. It, it. it depends on who goes to the line, right? I mean, that's a big thing. So Johnson Johnson is a guy who you need on the court because of the things he does defensively and on the boards at the end of games, but he doesn't shoot free throws well. So if he goes to the line, I'd be worried about it. But these other guys can hit shot free throws. Bakers a terrific clutch free throw shooter. I know he did this one today in the second half. So I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know that it's something you can improve much on. I've always said free throw shooters are recruited more than they're coached. You recruit guys who shoot free throws well. There are times when a guy takes a quantum leap in free throw shooting, but for the most part, you are what you are from the line. So I wouldn't worry about it. I don't know there's much that can be done about it. And uh, like I said, it's just a matter of getting the ball in the right hands in games where you need to hit free throws. Well, there's a lot of teams in that situation. I don't think it's necessarily an Achilles
0: heel. Jerry, a couple more before I let you go. You know, obviously we had expectations going into the season, but those expectations change. Mine coming into the year were to finish with a winning record and to make the NIT. But now with the success that the team has had, the NCAA tournament is the expectation. Should anything less than going dancing in March be considered now a disappointment this year?
1: That's a tough question to answer because, you know, it would be disingenuous of me to call an NIT appearance a disappointment when in in, in October and November, you know, I came on your podcast and other ones and I, and I wrote it too in my stories that the, the goal for this team was the NIT, that that's what I thought they would get, uh, and that was kind of the next step in their evolution. So it would be disingenuous for me if they did wind up in the NIT to say the season was a disappointment. But, of course – when you have the NCA tournament within your grasp like this, people are going to be disappointed that they didn't, if they don't get there somehow, which would take a pretty big collapse. Uh, so what I would, the way I would answer that is this: It would be disappointing if Rutgers doesn't make the NCA tournament. I don't think the season would necessarily be a disappointment. They've clearly the program is clearly taking a step forward.
0: So, Jerry, last one. You know, with Rutgers' success and Seton Hall's success as well here in New Jersey, is this season the most fun you have had covering NJ college basketball since you began?
1: Yes, there's no question. You know, so Grant Billmeyer, Seton Hall assistant coach, I was on the phone with him on Monday when the top 25 came out with both teams ranked. And uh, he said, Is this the greatest day of your life? <laughs> <laughs> and I say, Grant. Life is a big word, man. I got married, I had two kids, you know, I bought a house. Life is a big word, but in my career on the beat, in my seventeen year career on the beat, yes, it was this is the most memorable season. This has been the most memorable stretch. My first season was, was a lot of fun. That had been kind of the standard, you know, when Seton Hall made the second round of the NCAA tournament and Rutgers made it to the NIT final. Both programs won twenty games. That was kind of the standard that hasn't really been reached since then. 304 you know it's been it's been 16 years and uh, these teams are better than those teams you know Rutgers this Rutgers team is better than that that Rutgers team this seaton Hall team is better than that seed hall team so yes this is this has been the most fun I've had on the beat in 16 seasons 17 17 years 16 years 17 seasons this has been the most fun but as I told grant at the end of that conversation you know he asked me if this is the greatest day of my life I said greatest day of my career but but the idea is to replace this in March, you know, let's do better than that in March. So, so the, the, the book's not done, the chapter's not done and, and it's going to be really exciting, Lance, to see where this goes, you know, over the next six to seven weeks.
0: He covers college basketball for the Asbury Park Press. Jerry Carino. Jerry, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast to talk Rutgers basketball. And, you know, I hope for my own sake and I hope for your sake that that fun continues and that, you know, Rutgers at least, you know, and of course, Seton Hall obviously would help Rutgers too, but Rutgers at least continues to win and continues to have some fun.
1: Thanks, Lance. Anytime.
0: I first want to thank Jerry for coming on episode 58 of the podcast to talk about the win over Nebraska, the Scarlet Knights tournament potential, and of course, much more. You know, I said it at the beginning and Jerry said it in our discussion, this win against Nebraska is so big because it negates what would have happened had they lost. Losing to a team that sits, I believe, close to the 130s in Kenpom at home nonetheless would have dropped Rutgers net ranking substantially. But as I said before, NCAA tournament teams don't let that happen and Rutgers found a way to pull it out. I also asked Jerry about the Seton Hall factor in all this for Rutgers, and what I mean by that is, Rutgers, you know, they beat Seton Hall by 20 back in December, but Miles Powell was out for most of the game, and Sandro Mamukelashvili didn't play at all. It was great to hear Jerry say, to, you know, at least calm any of my nerves, and maybe some of your nerves as well, that the committee won't penalize a team because the team they played was banged up, and not that Rutgers was ever going to get penalized, but that the win wouldn't look as good because Seton Hall wasn't at full strength. The fact is, if Seton Hall stays a top ten team, that win just looks better and better for Rutgers. With Powell and Mamu without Powell and Mamu, Seton Hall's success can only help Rutgers tournament resume. I think it just points to the wackiness of college basketball this year, right? You know, who would have thought that two rivals, two teams and fan bases that really hate the other, that you would directly benefit one another due to the success that they've both had. This season, it's been a fun one, and you know, Jerry said it, it's been the most fun he has had covering New Jersey college basketball. As I said a few episodes ago when we had Jerry Recco on, the best part is that this season is nowhere close to over. Rutgers still has 11 games left, so that's 11 opportunities for quality wins, plenty of other opportunities for signature road wins, and most importantly, they have 11 opportunities left to boost their resume and to hopefully get to their first NCAA tournament in almost 30 years here on The Banks.